Welcome to the Skies Were Under podcast, hosted by me, Rachel Wright. This podcast is created by and for parents of people with disabilities and the many practitioners who support us. It's just for all of us who are trying to get from one end of the week to the other whilst bridging the gap between the life we expected and the one we're actually living. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm founder and director of Born at the Right Time. I'm a qualified nurse, the parent of three, and I've got an eldest son who loves swimming, pointless, and has complex disabilities. I wrote the memoir, The Skies I'm Under, and I'm thrilled you've joined us for another episode of The Skies We're Under podcast, which shares the stories of fellow parents, so we can all feel a little less alone and a little more understood. Today, The Skies We're Under podcast is coming from Down Under. Mandy and Kate are Australian podcasters who began Two Piece Podcast to talk about mothering twins with disabilities and make the world a better place. If you listen to their podcast, it just feels like a fun night with friends. The warmth, the humour, the truth of it. Hello and welcome to the Skies Rounder podcast. We're nearing the end of the second season of the podcast and I thought, you know, we should go out with a bang. So from the shores of the UK, I thought we'll throw the net particularly wide and let's see what Australians we could get hold of. We considered Hugh. Trackman, Kylie, Jason, they were all there, but none of them really have the credentials for the Skies Were Under podcast. So we headed to the 2020 nominees of Australian of the Year, no less. And who did we find? Lo and behold, but Mandy Hose and Kate Jones of the Yay. Two Peas podcast, authors of The Invisible Life of Us. Very good friends of each other, not me yet, but I'm <laughs> working on it. And all round epic human beings, Mandy and Kate, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank is, you. It is so, so good to meet you. I, I've got so many questions. I know you guys start your podcast with um, the same questions each time, um, but I, I want to start with classifications, okay? Right. So A-level biology was a bit of a stretch for me, but I I did my best. And the whole kingdom division, class, order, family, you know, all that sort of stuff was all the species. Um, mm. And when it comes to the two-piece podcast, you seem to have P classifications <laughs> <laughs> that are very specific. You have yes. a terminology. We do. That, in <laughs> fact, I think this is the place we need to start. We need to understand <laughs> your terminologies and we'll take it from there. Can you tell us some of the words you use to describe your fantastic community? Yes, well, we have lots, most of which we did not invent or create. It just kind of entered the vernacular without our doing anything, which was quite lovely. So the biggest one is that Mandy and I obviously started this podcast called Two Peas in a Podcast because we both have twins and our pediatrician, we share one, was like, that would be a great name. So then we sort of became the peas. But then every parent of a child with a disability became a pea. Okay. So then what do we call the children? So someone said, oh, maybe they're pea shoots. Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, well, what about like the aunties? Are they chickpeas? And then it just went on this whole <laughs> ridiculous journey of its own. And now we just have people that are pea adjacent or pea community people. Pea but our favourite ever. Yeah, pea professionals. Pea professionals. Very good. Yeah, so many names Therapies. actually yes. fit with the peas. But our favourite one is the rectum. Yes. So we had very early on. 
we were uh, had a listener write in and say, what do you call those of us who are not in you're like in a sanctum. What do you call it? Like are we out of rectums because of all the poop that we say to you guys all the time? <laughs> and it stuck. It stuck. Once a rectum, always a rectum. Exactly. And we always say that we're all somebody's rectum. So We are. You know, yeah, yeah right? I take a breath just to be another version of a rectum for someone else. Exactly. So we give rectums a lot of grace. Yeah. And actually when we meet them in public, because they come up and say, hi, I'm Michelle, I'm a rectum. And they do <laughs> at the shop, anywhere. And we just, and then they try, they start crying about being rectums and we're like, oh, you're it's all right, I'm going to hold your rectum. Yeah. <laughs> with tender, yeah, loving care. We have a doctor from the Royal Children's Hospital. He's a doctor in something, something. And he's, he's like. Anethetist. So he sends us emails, you know, with Dr. Rectomitis or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) People really got into it. And it was an awesome term because it finally gave us a word for sometimes the people that are well-meaning but say stupid stuff to us. I talk about this. I do lots of training around communication and co-production stuff and the intentions there, like you say, but also it's not even that the what they're saying bad. Sometimes it's just the context. Yeah. Sometimes it's just where you're at. Yep, exactly. Sometimes it's whether there's a full moon. <laughs> you know, it can be it can Windy. be any number of things that just make a, what what is a very well-intentioned crafted sentence and sort of sentiment into something that becomes That's right. um a, what comes out of a rectum. Exactly. Yeah. And then it gives us a voice for it. It gives us a phrase and we can move on a little bit and we have a closed hangout on Facebook and people will be like, oh, I was at the school and the teacher said this most rectum thing or my doctor did this rectum thing. And it just, it gives you a place to launch it yeah. and then you can let it go. That's very helpful because otherwise we can get stuck in the rectum. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is conservation it's true. and it's not nice. <laughs> and no one needs a stuck rectum. No. Um, <laughs> One thing that I get, I get the, you know, I've I've been going through some of your back catalogues of, because there's so many episodes to go over and we'll get into that in a minute, but the grace and the kind of, even some of your recent episodes around just, actually that, the one with Rosie that I listened to today, Rosie Jones, just you saying, oh, actually that's made me reflect on, oh, my parenting and could I have done yeah. that? And just giving us, you know, offering the grace that we want to have for ourselves and we want to have for each other and that positivity. I love it. But yes, the Rosie Jones episode. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Smashed it. Amazing. Yeah. This is where I have a confession. So I'm a pea and my eldest son, who's 17, is a pea shoot. However, mm-hmm. he may be the most ablest person in our house. <laughs> And I will explain, I will explain this why. So he's very bespoke. I like to call him bespoke. So he's, um, does not uh, use words to communicate and Mm. he um, is GCMSCF5, if you want to use fancy words. And he's quadriplegic Mm. cerebral palsy and registered blind and has a peg and blah, blah, blah. But all those things are not, do not necessarily completely define him. He loves pointless TV game show. Um, he loves swimming, he loves music, and he loves Rosie Jones. So Rosie oh. Jones was on Pointless. Yes. And oh, it's yes. because of the way she talks. Yes. It's so embarrassing. As soon as somebody <laughs> with a disability comes on telly, he yeah. laughs his head off. 
Right. Really? So he yeah. loves the change in voice or the, yeah. you know, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's not got the cognition to kind of communicate what, but he is wetting himself with hysterics (laughs) when he hears so there is an episode where Rosie's on his favorite game show and he just loves it and she comes on and says her bit and it just thinks it's hilarious the other thing that came out of that episode was the matching tattoos that I saw yeah how gorgeous yeah, I'm so cool, Kate. So I was thinking, Mandy, yeah. maybe you and I should get some matching tattoos, sure. okay? Because I haven't got one yet. And I have got this idea. I've got this idea, okay? So I'm thinking a black square by two inches by two inches on your top right buttock. Yeah. The words HRT in an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> and that way, whenever I put the onion in the freezer and my dirty mug in the spice cupboard or whatever batshit crazy thing I'm doing these days yeah anyone whether it's me or a close family member can check there and see whether said patch has been applied (laughs) right near the rectum yeah (laughs) right near the rectum perfect Uh, that's all we need to do okay I've rambled on Please yeah, tell me. We could have an um, Instagram post of that. People would love it. They would love it. <laughs> they we, would. Could, we could May start a movement right by you the rectum. get the whole square filled in because that yeah. will hurt like a motherfucker. No, I think I'm just, just thinking dotted outline. lines. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking I'm dotted <laughs> outlines okay. with, a, oh. with a HRT and arrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so that you know if, if nothing's there. I like, you like a little cloud for the sky and a couple of peas. No. No, 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 no. I've got to think practical, you know, it's embrace the, right. So ladies, tell me about your pods. Tell me about your families. Okay. Well, um, I am Mandy. I have uh, nearly 18 year old fraternal twin girls and they both have a hemiplegia cerebral palsy. And one of my girls is staring at me right now, and she also has an intellectual disability, and she is amazing. She's listening to everything. <laughs> She's got a big smile <laughs> on her face. And I also have a 12-year-old daughter, so that's my family. Lovely. And I have five children. I was quite a conservative Christian a long, long time ago and started to breed very early, but it's been bred out of me. It's out. It's done now. The next generation is not doing the same thing, so it's all good. (laughs) So I have a 29-year-old son, a 26-year-old daughter, a 21-year-old daughter and 17-year-old identical twin boys. My identical twin boys are extremely neurodivergent. They have loads of letters after their name. Yeah, they've, they've got the whole alphabet. So, yeah. Nice. And we all had our twins prematurely. And mm-hmm. so I met through the Australian Multiple Birth Association. They set up an online forum before Facebook. So it was like we think it was 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. Mm. And um, we met online and then we had like a local dinner with other mums and then we were just everyone had twins but did everyone have PREMS? Not necessarily. Did everyone have twins mm. with unfolding diagnosis? Not necessarily. Some did. Some had two twins, both twins. Some had one. There was all, you know, the yeah. twin combination was enormous. And then Kate and I also connected on the, because I too was in the church. And so we were sort of leaving the church at the same time. And so that was an awesome, it was a huge part of our story. Mm. to have someone that was living something similar. Although Kate was very gracious. She had three big kids and I was complaining about just my two. Um, 
There must have been days when she was like, oh, Mandy and her two babies. Oh, it's such a stress. <laughs> yes. If only she knew. Exactly. <laughs> oh, funny. Oh, dear. Yeah, so we obviously have twins together and we would listen to podcasts. Mandy got me onto podcasts. She actually mm-hmm. got me to listen to, ironically, my father was Irish he was heading back home six years ago, seven years ago, and he was in Cornwall in the UK and he had a massive stroke. And so I was at the airport going to see him and say goodbye. And I told like Mandy, two or three people, I'm like, you tell, you know, I'm just going to mm. tell the people I really like. And Mandy's like, oh my gosh, blah, blah. And then she's like, right, this is a message. It's not for now. Don't read it now. It's not about now. But I've just found this podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno. Brilliant. And you, you need it. to listen to it. Yeah. And I didn't listen to it for six months. Oh. And then I listened and howled laughing. And that was my first podcast. That took my podginity. So <laughs> that's a good one to do it. Very good. Really go. <laughs> no, you don't get much better. So we just used to connect over podcasts and we'd go out for dinner with a group of women perhaps and then one of us would drive and we'd sit in the driveway before we dropped them home and then we'd talk about actually the reality of our life, mm-hmm. the actual highs and lows mm-hmm. and the fact that even though we'd sat at dinner with these amazing women, yeah. we still felt lonely. Yeah. And one of us, we can't remember, said, we should start our own podcast. We thought, like, how can we, there was a few that I'd found that were sort of American. There was a lot of moms. Mom. And, yeah. <laughs> and in Australia, we're very used to, you know, TV from the UK, TV from America. We're very used to that. We feel like we're the perfect blend of the two. Obviously. Obviously. myself. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Um, and so. Uh, All the best thought, bits of both. Yeah. So I thought. Or we thought, like, let's talk about our stories in an Australian context. We never thought it would reach further than Australia because we have specific systems here, mm. you know, within healthcare and all that sort of stuff. And also just to hear our voices. So, yeah. um, and also we knew the power of women's storytelling. I was listening yeah. to podcasts of women telling their stories and I just thought this is incredible for yeah. women that are busy. Um, yeah, and so I was listening while I was doing the washing, going to the, do the food shopping, all that sort of stuff, and thinking, I don't have time to sit down and read anymore. I'm going to the hospital. We're going to appointments, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we gave it a go, and we um, Kate researched that we needed 30 people to listen, and then it might sort of move, and we begged 100 people to listen. Well, we begged people, and we got 100 listens for the first episode, and that was 2019, and then it just sort of took off until we got a little bit of media attention, and then it really exploded. So amazing. Mm-hmm. And it did explode. It really did. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I'm really intrigued about how all the different parts of our lives bring us to where we end up or just where we currently are, because where we currently are isn't necessarily where we end up. So what do you think are the key parts of your story that brings you to to this point? So you talked about the podcast, but and you talked about the babies and you talked about the face stuff, but is like whether that's work or whether that's where you are in your stage of your life, like how did you get here? Well, there was a lot of tears, <laughs> to be very, very honest, and heaps of laughing as well. Yeah. I often think about this in relationships because I had a 29-year marriage breakup 18 months ago and I now have a new person in my life. But I think 100% it's luck. I don't mm. believe in someone gives this person to you and you have a soulmate mm. or you have a friendship soulmate. 
I think you have to work at things 100%. Like Mandy and I have to work at our relationship. It doesn't just always flow. But I think there's luck. I think you meet someone, you're drawn to them, you don't Mm. know why. Like Mandy and I were drawn to each other before we knew that the twins were going to have disabilities Mm -hmm. that affected them for the rest of their life, before we knew we were deconstructing Mm -hmm. religion. You know, we lived five minutes away from each other, had no friends in common. We still don't really have friends in common, Mm. but we're still friends, you know, Mm -hmm. 16, 17 years later. So I don't know how all of this works anymore. Like I've really questioned loads and loads of things in the last couple of years. But I think some people just decide they're going to dig in and they're just going to stay friends and Mandy and I did that. Yeah. Definitely. Can I also say that we live five minutes from neighbours? <gasps> so driving to Pinnock Court was a big part of our childhood. If our parents were bored, we would have a drive yeah. past and they'd oh, be like, that's, that's my my 12-year-old self has just like yes. died yeah, in I mean, You know, there's a lot to claim here in Melbourne, not. So, that <laughs> so I'm bagging neighbours if that's the last thing I do. Well, I know your listeners might have, might, you know. Yeah. Neighbours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you'd be sitting around waiting for 5.55 for that flipping kids' Song. news show. I can't even remember what it is. News round to finish so that Neighbours came on. And so if you're off school, might as well watch it twice. Once I in got in the lift evening. at the local shopping centre. And this man came in and he had a trolley full of beer, like maybe three slabs. And I thought, I know him. How do I know him? He can't have gone to church because he's got beer and our religion <laughs> didn't drink. So I was like, weird question, but did you used to be a Seventh-day Adventist? And he's like, no, I'm Dr. Carl off Neighbours. <laughs> because, you know, when you're brought up in a little religion, you know everyone, that's yeah. where you know them from. No, yeah. Dr. Carl. Which is another like, religion. Neighbours. Neighbours and home and away. <laughs> yes. Equally, another religion. So sorry to turn that tangent, but I thought your listeners might enjoy ah, that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that'll be a spike in the in this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it on the, like, the, the teaser. Yeah, um, right. I mean, that'll go, see where we end up. Off. So... On your podcast, you ask people lots about music and stuff, like music's really important to you. And I was thinking about Disability Desert Island Discs. Desert Island Discs is a radio show in the UK that's been going for like 40 years, okay? And a famous person comes on and tells their story, but does it in like, these are the five songs that make, you know, if I was to be stranded on a desert island, these are the five songs I want to take with me. Um, We have Take Five with Zanro. Okay, but they also, you also on your desert island, you get the full works of Shakespeare and the Bible or an equivalent religious text kind of thing, whatever's your thing. And you get to choose a book, any book of your choice and a luxury item. So one of our ex-prime ministers, Theresa May, did like a lifetime of Vogue as her luxury item. (laughs) If you're going to survive parenting on this island, mm. what are the things that you would take? Like, what what's the, are the books that you've read? Are the podcasts that you've listened to? Are there people? Like, if your luxury item doesn't have to be like a thing, is it like an activity? Is it a long bath? Like, what is it that makes you survive on this island? My daughter's pointing we to me, to saying, "Take, the take me, take, take me." me. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> well, I actually think Mandy and I are very bad at self-care and mm. we're proud of that. We've written whole live shows bagging the self-care movement. Sorry to all the psychologists listening. But for me, just a really good cup of tea. I think it can tea does solve problems. It does. It's true. Really good. And because my father was Irish, I know how to make a good cup of tea. It's strong. You know, that tea bag sits in there for three or four, maybe five if minutes. If the spoon's not it. standing up, then No. It's gravy. Yeah. Yeah. And so chips, me, presumably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would need to take, which might not work if the desert island is hot. A really um, snuggly blanket. Mm. You know, those days, there was one particular day that I remember I just huddled in one mm. for four hours. And I just thought, I just have to cocoon myself today. Yeah. I don't, anybody else in the world? Maybe I'd have Uber Eats come. Oh, that's that's what classic. <laughs> I was huddled in the cocoon and I got Uber Eats, Japanese, Kate's friend's Japanese restaurant. And I just let myself be for that day. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. a nice snuggly blanket, maybe it's a cold island. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you want to be cool at night for your blanket. Yeah, true. Maybe I'm nice in Tasmania. During the day. Yeah. 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 Totally agree with you around the self-care bit around, you know, but we talk about it on the podcast of like, so often we're told to do this and do that and do the other. And it's like plant, you know, do all these things. But actually, we just need to be pruning. We just need to be saying yeah. no to more stuff. When we talk about well-being, one of the things that comes up and clearly comes out of your podcast, but also your book, is that friendship thing that we've also talked about. And the flip side of that, of the loneliness that you've yeah. also mentioned, that kind of, yeah. that feeling like you just need someone to, I guess it's that spark that you've mentioned, but then it's also that feeling that there's enough similarities that I don't feel like I'm speaking into the void but this person is absorbing what I'm feeling and having that deep sigh of oh yeah me too yeah yeah I think I remember with our diagnosis within the cerebral palsy world a hemiplegia I felt like we didn't quite fit anywhere then I had both girls um mm. so this was felt lonely from the beginning I, I couldn't get into the like the cerebral palsy education center they said they were too good for that and then mm -hmm. I felt about that but then I was like I don't know where else to go I'm dragging you know one child to speech therapy by the other child is doing all the talking <laughs> it's just yeah. so, so then I realized no one's going to be my story I'm never going to find anyone like me I found some other twin mums with fraternal girls but their CP's stories are different so what am I going to do because the I am Mandy on the desert so I realized if someone is just on the road less travelled, whatever that is, mm -hmm. we, I think we can make this. So mm. I just started to find people that I thought, okay, you understand this particular sort of loneliness in your context, mm -hmm. I think, friends. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. It's that There's a Brené Brown quote, massive fan of Brené Brown. There's a Brené Brown quote that's around when we own our story, we get to change the ending and uh. when we don't. And I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with that quote in that I love it because I think one of the things that changed in my head around changing to a different seasonal transition in completely my journey as a parent yeah. was 
stopping trying to live the life I thought I was going to have and trying to start to live the life that I've actually got and kind of what you said there Mandy that kind of I'm the only one living this I can't I can't find it anywhere else it's got to come from within me kind of thing the bit that I the the less love bit that I have that quote is that there's lots of our story that we don't get to choose that kind of that ending actually there's just a whole bunch of stuff that we don't get to choose and some of that actually sucks some days like really sucks and that's for everybody yeah it's true So sometimes I get a bit fixated on this is for me but it's Mm. actually for everybody you know I had a friend whose business went under because someone owed them a million dollars right so their whole life changed in an instant so they would say well I I did choose my own story and then this ending still happens so Yeah. yeah sometimes I get fixated on this is happening because of situations in my family but everybody I think most people will face something in their lifetime that will bring them undone. I mean, I don't know why we got to face so much when we were so young, but we did. But Mm. interestingly, over Easter, I had my one of my daughters and was chatting with her partner and my partner. We were sitting in a spa bath, actually a hot tub. Nice. And she was saying, if we hadn't had the boys, everything would be so different. I can't Mm. imagine our lives. I don't want to imagine my life like that. She's like, I can remember a a clear delineation in your parenting Mm. because she was like nine when they were born, right? She said everything changed, even from the moment they were born and they were just preemie twins that cried all the time. And I look back and I think I don't know that person. We say, you know, (sighs) pre-2000 and whatever, Mm -hmm. Kate, I don't know her. I don't recognise her and I actually think, if I met 25-year-old Kate, she wouldn't like me. <laughs> I am not. She'd be calling woman. you a rectum. Yeah. She would. <laughs> she really would. Or would you be calling her a rectum? Oh, both. Or both. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that having the boys, having them as fourth and fifth children, having them as preemie babies, all of that just on its own completely broke me as a human, completely. Yeah. And I'm a completely different, and I definitely, you know, it's not like a phoenix rising from the ashes. I think it's more like a few lumps of coal that are sitting around joined together to make like a coal snowman. (laughs) But (laughs) I like this Kate. I don't want to go back to that other Kate at all, ever. And it cost me a lot of friendships, you know, Mm. people didn't understand that I could be this person. But this this person is a better person. And I even get cross at the old Mandy, like mm. you know, she was oblivious. Thought mm. she was. Thought bless she was her heart. Bless her yeah. heart. Thought she was a wonderful person, but her eyes were not open no. to the world. And no. I'm grateful for that alone. Yeah. I'm not grateful for when my children are in physical pain, yeah. and I find that extremely distressing for them. Mm. And so that is something if I could take away, I would. Yeah. But for who I am now and the family we are now, I'm so grateful. Yeah. And I say that to, I say that to, you know, my friends and family and stuff. It's like, I, you know, I, I'm not oblivious to the brilliant stuff that's occurred in our lives yeah. as a result. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it is not the worst for my, like my, my son has it tough. Like, yeah, you know, why. just in the last four years, he's had reconstruction of both his hips. He's a yes. total, complete spinal fusion. He's, yes. do you know what I mean? Like, and there's also just stuff that I have lost, 
you know yeah. him not looking at my face him never saying mum like there's there's real yeah. things that are just yeah. sad and yeah. wonderful you know yeah, it's not nice. either or is it it's kind of no, it's they come hand in hand I talk about it uh, like looking living on the cliff edge you know you get the beautiful views and the brutal weather and the occasional fall <laughs> off the cliff <laughs> that is true what a great answer <laughs> and it ends up and the difference is with time you learn the route back up yeah you know yeah. so you get up quicker because you know where the footholds are and you know the there needs the blanket for however long and you need the yep. whatever yep. but but you're still living on the cliff when you get to the top <laughs> Born at the right time, we're passionate about improving the lives of people with complex disabilities, whether it's through supporting their family, CPD certified training for practitioners, or influencing policymakers and providers to turn rhetoric into reality. You can find out more about our work, whether it's book on a parent workshop, attend a live podcast event, or check out our range of practitioner training in communication, collaboration, and personalised care by visiting our website, www.bornattherighttime.com. We had this very strong feeling of we need and there's there's been a big movement in the last 10, 15 years and I think since blogging came out where parents were talking about this road and then they weren't, they were doing it disrespectfully and so then we had to be very careful when we're coming into the podcast space, how do we do this, respectfully of our children, but also acknowledging this story of mothering because the world just acknowledges everybody else's story. And so it was important to do it and we've tried to do it as respectfully as we can, but also to know that women need support because if we do a better job supporting each other and getting the help we need, then we'll do a better job parenting. Yeah. Isn't that? And and no yeah. one's going to help us. So we have to help us. Yeah, it's true. It's not like we're at the forefront of parliament and they're saying no. we really need to to the women. No, no one gives a shit. We've done it. You're doing it on your podcast. And that's because yeah. we know it's important and it's real. Yeah, completely. And like you say, the we've got to be our own voices and our own support. And we've got to it is it is really tricky. I've you know, I don't think I'll ever land somewhere knowing what the right or wrong thing to do. Like as far as sharing like for, for my son, he will never be able to share his own story. Mm-hmm. Because right. he will never have the cognition or the words or the anything else. So then you know, for the last several years, I've, well, I wrote the book and I did use his name. And then I, over social media and on the internet, whatever, I don't use his name at all. And I try not to do photos of him. And then just those last couple of months, I've been thinking, well, but if I don't tell his story, then his story doesn't get told. That's right. Like there's a whole, there's a whole, then a whole community of people who need other people to tell their story. And it isn't necessarily right for the, the disabled people tell their story because that's, they don't they've got a different story because yep. just by the fact that they can tell it means they are different um yeah, and really so challenging yeah it is but doing it in a way and also not centering myself in his story yes yes you know, he has his story and he has and I have my own and they are we both are living our one and only precious life and how do we do that in a way that honors the sacredness of us both like yes you know that mm-hmm. sort of and the good bad and ugly of all our stories yeah. like you know I'm not a piece of cake like I'm you know <laughs> might be able to walk <laughs> somewhere 
and I don't, you know, I can eat cake in my mouth, but that doesn't mean I'm a breeze to live with. Let's be honest. I was actually thinking about this weirdly in the middle of the night. I was doing some head miles and I'd watched on Instagram reels some Australian celebrity uh, radio hosts and they'd it's been the Easter school holidays here. So they're doing a lot of stuff with their kids. I think they're not on radio at the moment. And I was like, if I did those videos with my kids when then they were that age, people would have come at me. Mm-hmm. So, and why can't I share my children's amazing, amazing talents mm-hmm. and all they bring to the world without being hated? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I will never understand it. I'm happy to not expose, like Mandy and I have too big a, I mean, it's small, but it's too big a following to say, here's my child, you know, we yeah, call, yeah. I call my twins Buzz and Woody mm-hmm. and that's fine. And people don't know what school they go to. They know that we live near Pin Oak Cork, but that court, but that's about it, you know, where Neighbours is filmed. But why can't I share their amazing talents? Like some of the things that people on radio or TV, their children are their entire content. Yeah. Those children have not given permission to be the entire content. And I'm sure there'll be backlash in years to come. But some of these kids are adults now. I remember radio hosts doing it when I was a kid. There's Mm. never been backlash. So I don't completely understand it. I understand belittling, complaining, all of that. That's, you know, and every parent does that. Let's just. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Especially, and if the men, if the men are complaining, no one bats an eyelid. I know, enough. It's not fair. It's not fair. Women are silenced when it comes to that, right? Yeah. But I think women with typically developing children, they're allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to go on the radio and say, oh, my goodness, Holly had a meltdown this morning. She had a tantrum because her library bag was wrong. (laughs) And they can all joke about it. Mm -hmm. But if your child is not typically developing or has a disability, you're not allowed to tell their story. So I don't quite understand it. I listen to disabled adults. I do what they say because it's not my story but I don't quite understand all of it. It's not yeah. 100% clear to me, but I still will take advice from people who... Absolutely. So you are our first twin mums on the podcast, oh. which is very good. And um, What do you think? You're standing in a, at a party and you look around the room and you're trying to spot the other parent of twins. What are the hallmarks? What are the things that you... Say, huh, I recognize that bedraggled hair. <laughs> yeah, totally. I that was easier that in the early days because you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to see her. She'd be out the room finding one, trying to find the other one. You know, like Christmas lunch, I would never sit down. I'd be up, down, up, down, up, down. <laughs> Going out to a restaurant, I'll be in the toilets. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to go to the toilet. 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 Okay. <laughs> when, um, the twins were little, which most I've blocked out of my memory just so that I can survive <laughs> now as a human. I didn't make eye contact with people because when you have twins, it is like a magnet. I don't understand it, but people are drawn to you. Oh, my uncle was a twin. I wanted twins. I'd give anything to have twins. Or they'll tell you, oh, I had was pregnant with twins, but I lost one. And you're, you're giving all these emotional stories. You're just trying to walk through a supermarket. You yeah, know, I'm just it. trying to get and some baked beans. I just want yeah. some bread yeah. and some butter. Yeah. Yeah. Get to the chicken. And checkout. so I stopped looking at people. I just stopped mm. making eye contact. It was just heads down. Go. I mean, people would stand literally in front of the pram. You'd be like, oh, right, okay, we're going to have to have a chat with you. 
But I think that's another way of spotting a twin parent. They look at you and they avert their eyes. They're like, don't tell me about your twins. Don't tell me. I don't give a don't shit. tell me it got better. It got easier. <laughs> well, I used to think, I don't, don't tell me to savor this moment. No, I don't more time. about your 18-year-old twins because I was thinking you're sleeping. Yes. I have eight-month-old twins. I'm not sleeping. I don't care about you, which is ironic because yeah. I'm a sleep consultant. And so I have <laughs> lots of twins with their sleep. And so now I'll say, oh, mine are nearly 18. And you see them blank out. I'm like, yeah, yeah. that was me. You're dead to me. <laughs> when, when my boys were about four or five months old, I was just walking up and down the road, you know, out the front of the house. I didn't even want to go on a walk. No. I just had to get them out because they were screaming. And this woman came up to me and she was like in athletic wear and whatever. And she was walking and she stopped and she said, I have twin boys the first four to five years of hell. And then she just kept going. And I hung on those words. I was like, yes, it's hell. Someone's acknowledged it. I've mm-hmm. just got to get them to four or five and it's going to get slightly better. And, I mean, they did then go to kindergarten or nursery, as you'd call it, in school. And, you know, you, you begin yeah, to yeah. see the light at the There's end of the space. tunnel. But some people were horrified when I told that story. But for me it was so powerful. Oh, of course. I'm living in hell. Thank you. <laughs> Someone acknowledged the terrain of my world. Two babies. Two babies is a lot of babies. It's yeah. a lot of babies. Yeah, and there's a lot of guilt about I can't give you my one-on-one attention or, yeah. you know, all of that that we have to work through as well. Yeah. You mentioned, Mandy, about sleep. So I think sleep is just my son doesn't sleep through the night. Yeah. We have night carers. Yeah. And the times that I do have to do, or yeah, the times I do do the nights, I just, I'm so done. I'm so done. Of course you are. I'm just, I'm I'm tired. Yeah. (laughs) So do you work at all with kids with complex needs and do you have a magic wand that particularly works? (laughs) Sometimes it's just giving the understanding and the permission. Mm -hmm. This is what I say to all my families. See if we can make sleep just about sleep, not about all the worries of this child. So when we're sitting next to their bed and they need us to sit with them, maybe we could stand in the doorway and instead of crying and thinking, I'm going to have to do this for the next 40 years or whatever, whatever, right? So seeing if we can just make sleep about sleep. Is there a way that this child needs to get to Mm -hmm. sleep and stay asleep? And how can I take some of that emotion out of it, of being a mum of a child with a disability? because all that running through our head all the time means that sometimes we can't make some decisions. might be medication, it might be can we move away a little bit, all that sort of stuff. So as soon as I say that, mostly everyone cries, me and the family, mm-hmm. and then we say, yeah, maybe we can see if we can just make sleep about sleep, not about all the worries of the world. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's easy, sometimes that's not. But I'm there as a listening, so I'll also mm-hmm. say I'm prepared to listen to everything about your sleep. Who else is? Not many yeah. people want to hear that you want to talk about your 17-year-old son who's not sleeping, I will I will sit and listen. Yeah. And like you say, Kate, that's just where you want. You just want someone to listen. You just want, you know, whether it's the, the person walking past you on the pavement telling you it's hell or, Mandy, whether it's you and your work and telling someone, you know, I'm interested. I'm interested in your story. And also, I'm like I'll say, you might you might have put your child to bed and you've been to hospital today and you've had a general anaesthetic, your child's had a general anaesthetic, they've had Botox injections, they've got a cast on their leg, <laughs> and you're thinking, 
I'll do anything to help you settle tonight. I'm not going to have yeah. any distress around this. We've had a wicked day, yeah. right? And they go, oh, somebody else thinks like that. Mm. Yes, of course. Mm. And so uh, I'm never a sleep person that comes in and says, no, this, 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 no. I wanted to call the book A Thousand Shades of Grey, but they did not let <laughs> But that is our life. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Shades of grey. Yeah. And the publishers were like, no. But I was like, that is my life. There's nothing mm. black and white here. No. No, there isn't. And that's true whether it's talking about our experiences and how we tell our stories and our friendships and our, you know, all those things. They're all, it. what's right and good for me is not a judgment on what's right and good for anybody else. Right. It is just I can have my story and it be completely different from yours, exactly, and it still be fine. Like that, be fine. Go about your day and let's learn from each other and be curious and listen. And yeah. your book is called The Invisible Life of Us. So, how did you get from the grey to the invisible? <laughs> <laughs> it's in our first episode. One of my friends suggested it as a title for the podcast. Oh, yes, it is. Yes. Um, she has twins and I asked her, would it be okay if we used it? She said, yes. So, um, we were th- straight away, we were like, yes, that's the Do title. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And you've got the booklet of hope. Yeah. Oh, we're so proud. Well. I think that's the thing that I'm the most proud of. Tell so, us about it, okay. Um, it's free postage in Australia, but maybe a couple of UK people could get a copy if they really, really want. Yeah. Um, so Mandy and I donate the money for it, or our listeners do. It will always be free. And it's just seven stories of people who either live with a disability, have a child with a disability, and it's just on the day that you get your diagnosis. Some of us have unfolding diagnosis. We know it from birth. Others mm-hmm. of us, it's like a brick wall that hits us mm-hmm. when they're two or five or seven, or you know. Mm-hmm. On that day, the day that your baby's born, people bring you cute little onesie and flowers and everyone's celebrating this child. Mm-hmm. And you have all the hopes and dreams on that day. You're like, they might be a doctor or mm-hmm. they're probably going to love, um, you know, Manchester United like I do or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have all those dreams. On the day that you get a diagnosis, the doctor grabs those dreams and they chuck them away and they tell you all the things that could possibly go wrong. And we understand why they have to do that. You need that reality. But you're left looking at this child thinking, who who are you now and who am I as a parent? But actually, I remember several times driving home from the pediatricians and seeing the twins in my rearview mirror in their little car seats and thinking, I love you more today. Mm, I didn't know that I had more love. It's like the dessert stomach. I didn't yeah. think I had room, but I've got but then room suddenly... in my heart. Yeah. And so this booklet of hope is for you on the day that you get the diagnosis. So we have it in doctor's office, therapists, Amazing. Um, childcare centres, whatever, families mm. ask for it because their sister's just had a diagnosis. And it, it just tells you that you're going to be okay. Amazing. Your child's going to be okay and your family's going to be okay. Incredible. I talk about it in my book, like the day that we were told, not so much diagnosis, but the extent of my son's brain damage. It was like the consultant pulled out of her bag a paintbrush of dripping white emulsion and just Mm. covered what was a beautifully colourful wall of hopes and dreams and expectations and what would have, could have, should have, like, you know, and just whitewashed it just covered it all and what could have been exactly as you say Kate what could have been kind of hopeful and expectant Mm. actually just felt quite daunting and Mm. entirely uncertain and unpredictable and that felt very 
for being so expansive and unclear, it felt like claustrophobic. Yeah, suffocating. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where the importance of our podcasts lie as well, because professionals can listen Mm. and they can learn. And it's in a non judgmental way. So we're not saying, oh, that nurse at that hospital was such a rectum. No, we're just generally that rectum nurse, but people can listen and we're not having a go at them one-on-one. And we've had so many people say, we have changed our practice, I have changed the way I do this because of listening. And so I'm super proud of that. We're really proud of that. Yeah, Yeah. and like you say, we didn't change. And we don't know what we don't know. So, you know, the, the Kate and the Mandy, however long ago, that you probably wouldn't have been friends with now. I think about it whenever I'm sort of people say, or oh, don't be sympathetic about my child or sad because I'm happy and I'm great, but they're just still in the doctor's office getting the diagnosis when we've all moved on years ago yeah. and seeing the joy and the fun and whatever. Those yes. people that have just met us and our child, they're just in the doctor's office. They've just yeah, got the diagnosis true. and they're just that's having that true. full first yeah. wash of emotion. Mm-hmm. And we just keep, need to give them a bit of time and give them that yeah. hope that actually, no, yeah. that there is that. We shouldn't gloss over the fact that we've gone through those emotions because yeah. that would minimises the fact that it's there. Born at the Right Time is a proud partner of Simple Stuff Works. Together, we champion the protection of people's bodies through engaging and enjoyable training, looking at 24-hour postural care and specifically the importance of lying support. Whether you're a novice wanting a short three-hour online course taking you through the basics, a specialist practitioner needing comprehensive training or anything in between, we have a range of CPD certified courses just for you. Find out more at www.bornattherighttime.com where we give you the language, skills and confidence to protect people through excellence in 24-hour postural care. Listen, I'm really yep. conscious that we've completely run out of time and we've gone <laughs> over. I have to go on a horse ride. Yeah. <laughs> Can I do some really quick rapid fire questions yes, before yes, you go, go galloping? Okay. So we end the podcast with these rapid fire questions. Firstly, what's your favourite subject in school? English. Typing. I love typing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was really your age, good at Mandy, it. by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm totally showing your age. I was really good at it. Just yeah. saying. I was really good at English, creative yeah. writing. Anytime I got to, oh, pick me to reading class. Pick me. Oh, yeah, me I used it. to love that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's an ordinary moment that brings you joy? Oh, for me, it's when my daughter can access some of her own self care. So when she comes out dressed. Mm. where she can get into the shower by herself oh those Amazing. moments always that we call them smile stones they're smile amazing stones. Exactly. wow yeah yeah cool cool yeah Kate and I think a really ordinary moment that brings me joy is when I look at those and they're doing stuff together like they're I don't know one of them is mad on picking locks at the moment. So some of their behaviours are a little bit complex. Might be but useful. But they'll be, I don't know, working <laughs> working on something together, just almost not talking. Like they're so mm-hmm. in sync and I just think, you nearly didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just, I, I will never get over the fact that they're here. 
Mm, absolutely. What's the last photo you took? Oh, actually, it was you in the bath. My daughter was in the bath. Um, because we don't have a bath in our house and where we're staying has a big spa bath. And nice. she, was in there and she was saying, I am so happy. Oh, <laughs> nice. Those so that was the last one. I said, I'm not posting this. I'm just. I'm just, just for us. Just so happy. She had bubbles all over her. Amazing. We don't, have a, we don't have a big bath. It's very sad. But anyway. Cool. Well, my actual last photo was me sending to Mandy saying, I'm asking to be let in to this podcast recording, but they're just not letting me in. This podcast isn't working. <laughs> so, yes, the quality of the podcast is not going to be up to, quite up to speed because oh, we've had to record Zoom. this in a completely... I trust Zoom. Everything else I don't trust. Gosh. There you go. Zoom hopefully will have saved us today. Okay, um, okay you're a superhero. What's okay. your chosen superpower? Uh if possible, I'd really like there to be two of me. Oh, I want to be able to do clone. all the jobs, clone me, yeah. And my kids really had a go at me about this when I said that. They're like, you want to work more? That is <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> no, I want one of me to go to bed. Yeah, the like, I could works. be having a cup of tea while I'm also making dinner. Oh, yes, amazing. Skills. And I also think, let's be honest, I am bloody efficient at times. And if there were two of me, I could slay the morning and then have the whole that. afternoon off. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I think I have to say the same. Okay. <laughs> Be in two places at once. Well, yeah. that's my whole life. Got to drive this person to that, drive that, pick that person up from there. Well, I'm right in that stage of life. Mm, and just a constant mindfuckery from 3 o'clock to nine o'clock every <laughs> every day is how I can make people get to the places they need to be. Yeah. What's your comfort food of choice? I do like a donut. <sighs> Mandy loves the donut. <sighs> literally. Hot cinnamon donut. Oh, who can, wait, that cinnamon. can't go wrong. Yeah. South End where I live, which is just outside London on the estuary, Thames estuary, is uh, known for its donuts at the beach. Just, you know. Uh, yeah, in the I area. love that. Kate, what's yours? Um, I like a like a um, really yummy French brie, like a double cream. Oh, yeah. Quality. Love, love, love it. <laughs> All the goo. <laughs> so if you were if you were to win it, I'm not gonna show I'm not necessarily gonna know these TV reality shows, but if you were to win a TV reality show, which one would you win? Which one would it be? I'd like well, go on Survivor, say. but I don't think I could win it. Sorry, Kate. <laughs> No. survive what and is that like eat all survivor. the things and do all the tasks and or is it is it like like the, american survivor you know like go out and like have to be mean to each other and yeah i love it but i couldn't do it <laughs> i like to think which is impossible because i can bake about three things but like the great british bake-off that <sighs> yes, I, I, the whole week of preparing and yeah. then being on that and I easily. Know Mary Berry's not there anymore, but oh, oh, I know. That's what if, I if you're going to do it, you do it with Mary. Yeah, I want to do it with yeah. Mary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, final question: What is happening in your life which excites you right now? <laughs> That's a tiny tricky question ride. for me. <laughs> Pardon? My daughter's saying the horse ride. I'm going on a horse ride with my 12-year-old because she really loves horses and it's become a really special thing for her. And so I said that we will go on it while we're away and I'm really excited. Are you doing it? Yes, I'm doing it. 
Yes. Oh. I'm going to have to go. So, Well, take yes. photos, Miss 12, because this I want to see. But <laughs> <laughs> that is very important to her, so I'm choosing to do something as a sibling. Yeah, so important, so important. I'm at a weird point in my life and I'm really trying to harness what I'm I'm looking forward to, but I'm going through financial separation and selling the home that my children grew up in and the twins don't like change. I mean, who does? Mm. But I'm having constant, constant questions. But what will the new house, will we? And one of them said to me yesterday, do you think if the people who buy this house are nice, I'd be able to come back on Sundays? And I was like, oh, no. Like it's just this constant, um, I don't want to cry, but like explaining every day, yeah. like this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing. So I'm trying to be like, I know this is going to be better in a year. I know I'm going to be like, it's done. I did it. We're fine. But at the moment I'm very much struggling to find the, you know, mm. silver lining. But I also really back Future Kate. She has never, ever, ever let me down. She's an awesome human and I trust her. So I know she's going to get me through. Oh. Okay. (laughs) I trust Future Kate too. And I'm with her too. (sighs) Cheering her on all the way. And, yeah, just some things are big. Some things are are big and some things. And hard isn't necessarily bad, but hard still sucks at times. It's still hard. So, ladies, thank you so much for joining me tonight, this morning, whatever time (laughs) it is for anybody. (laughs) Thank you for having us and Uh, all our encouragement to you. Keep doing your podcast. It's really important. And Mm. uh, yeah, encouragement to you guys all the way. Oh, thank you. And we'll have all in the show notes, we'll have all the things that are um, Two Piece Podcast and all of your books and all of your, the, um, maybe we'll get um, to pay for some postage and get some of your booklets of yeah. Hope over to the UK. We could do that. And uh, thank you so much. And just, oh. yeah, we will continue to stalk you at a socially yeah, appropriate stage. Yes. That's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, thank you, so, you much. so much. Bye. Thank you, everyone. The Sky's Wonder podcast is a Born at the Right Time production supported by the expert studio assistants of Podshop. Thanks to our wonderful guests for sharing their stories and very precious time. And special thanks to the generosity of listeners whose donations have helped make this podcast. We would love it if you could like, follow and review the podcast wherever you listen. As part of season two, we have some great live events, including the really ropey idea of Sarah, Lucy and I being your agony aunts. Email your stories, comments and questions either to tswupodcast at gmail.com to join in or follow us on Instagram at born at right time. We love you joining us for the ride as we hurtle along this off-piste version of parenting. It's so much better when we do it together. Whatever skies, we're under.